My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. You know, being the age that I am now and having the experience that I've had, I can easily say that buying and holding property is the best way to make money. But it's not the only way. You can develop. So if you look, like if you want to give up your day job, buying and holding investment property is not going to cut it. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we continue the conversation with the property professor Peter Kalisos, whose proven tips on timing will help you reap the rewards of a booming property market. Find out how to invest smarter in a COVID world and why we should take confidence into an uncertain future. In all these years as an educator and an investor, Kalizos has learned to never overlook an effective strategy, even if it may seem daunting at first. I find the um, the sweetest deals are those that you you just subdivide the land. All the all the development projects that I've done, not all the development, all the building projects that I've done, I've done to build and keep, not build and sell. And generally, I'll keep for around five years because that's the best depreciation period. And then I'll move on to the next development. Like any investment strategy, Kalizos says in his own experience of property development, it quite literally pays to look into the numbers. I'll give you an example and people can Google if they want. So it's 25 Peterson Crescent, Port Norlunga, which is a seaside suburb here in Adelaide. So it's, uh, if you go and have a look at it, you'll see that it's a triangular block which put a lot of people off. Um, but w- if you look at it on Google Maps or Google Earth, you'll see now that it's chopped up into three allotments. So the, the first two allotments are quite rectangular except for the slant at the back. But the other block is, yes, triangular. Um, but for memory, I reckon my percentage profit on that was like 25 to 30% just by chopping up the land. But you go there now and you'll see three houses on there. But I never built the houses. Because, I mean, if I give you some, let me give you some rough numbers to see what it's worth now. So if, let's say I I bought the land for 500, all right? Knocked down the house, did the subdivision, and now it's worth 600, all right? It cost me 600. 
and I, and I chop it all up and I can, each block owes me 200, but it's worth 250. All right. So somebody buys it at 250 and they want to build their dream home and their dream home costs another 250. So for them, you know, 250 plus 250 is 500. But if I was to do it and spend another 250, so the, each block of land owes me 200, now I've got to borrow another 250, that makes 450. Doesn't mean that I make $50,000 $50, profit because now I've got interest to pay, right? And there's, there are other major holding costs. So for me, I would have been better off, which I did. It owes me 200, sell it for 250, make 50, rather than it owes me 450 and sell it for 500. I still, I still only make 50. Well, not really, because I'm going to lose money in paying interest. Kalisos claims that most of his property purchases have been opportunistic, taking the right chances at the right times. He says that the simple forces of supply and demand can also be an investor's most powerful guide. So, his key takeaway is learning how to read them. Most of my purchases were all opportunities. I saw the opportunity and I took advantage of it. Uh, but, and I've been fortunate enough to go through a number of property booms, like the one that we're experiencing. And that's, and that's where the satisfaction and the reward comes. Like for, in particular in the smaller capital cities like Adelaide and Brisbane, uh, and even you know, uh, places like Darwin, well, actually, Darwin fluctuates too much. So, so Adelaide and Brisbane, not much happens for many years, and then for about two or three years, there's a big spike, and then not much happens for many years, and then you get another spike. Whereas in Melbourne and Sydney, you can get big spikes, but also big dips, big spikes and big dips. So, you know, if you're holding property in Adelaide or Brisbane, but most of the time, there's not much happening. Like it might go up a few percentage points, but it's periods like this where it goes up by 20% in one year which is good, but we've had better years in the past. Like I, I've done the research and I know that in the early 2000s, Perth increased by 45% in one year, Hobart increased by 55% in one year. You imagine owning property in that period of time. So that's, what, that's why I say that owning investment property long-term is the best way to make money because you don't know when that boom is coming, but when it does come and you own a number of properties, that's where the money's to be made. COVID impacts have caused huge disruption to many investment strategies, whether by changing markets or patterns of behavior. However, as a lifelong student, despite his success, Kalisos says he's learned from Australia's pandemic changes. I didn't predict that property prices were going to go up over 20% because of COVID. I, like many others, thought that it was going to go backwards, but I, I said it was going to go backwards by 5%. Others said it was going to go back by 15 or 20%. But to go up, this is, and it's all about, for me, it's all about shortage of supply. It's because there's not many houses to buy. It's not like stacks of people are looking to buy. It's because there's not many properties for sale. So back in March last year when COVID first hit, I was very worried because I, I knew we had economic downturns before, but not pandemics and lockdowns, you know, that was it. So I went back and looked at what happened to property prices after the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s recession and global financial crisis and discovered that residential property is actually quite resilient, not necessarily commercial property, but residential property is. 
And you, you just need to look at some of the major events, global events, and what's happened to property prices. Like we often talk about the post-war boom. So we had, we had the war which lasted for six years and it was horrific and huge impact, not just economic. But after that, it was like a big release or a big relief. And I think the pandemic is a little bit like that. People were very scared. And often when people are scared, they flock to safety. And one of the safest investments is real estate. But also, it, not just looking at it as an investment, but people wanted to secure their home, a place to live. So um, what, what's happened is for, for many people, I think the reason why there's not a lot of properties for sale is some people are still very scared and not willing to put their property on the market because they may not be sure of their job. You know, in lockdown and when you're on job keeper and job seeker, things might be okay, but you're off job keeper or job seeker and you're in tourism or travel or hospitality, then, you know, it could be an issue. Um, or if your job is in, you know, retail with more and more people buying stuff online, we don't need physical people standing in the retail store, but we not, might need people back in the warehouse, you know, loading up the delivery vans. So I think that's the main reason why people are not putting their properties on the market. Um, and... For property owners, the story is going to get even better because when international borders open and somewhere between 300,000 to 400,000 people come into Australia every year, they've all got to live somewhere. And so, you know, rental vacancies are really low at the moment, which means there's hardly any properties to rent, which means rents are going up. And that's with nobody coming into Australia. What do you think is going to happen when hundreds of thousands of people start coming? As global borders start to reopen for the long term, his opportunistic strategy means taking advantage of what will surely be new property conditions. Whether you're looking to enter the market, renting or even managing a large portfolio, he says everyone should act accordingly. You know, fortunately, any tenants or renters that are listening, the news is not good for you because I, I, I'm not going to get into too much economic speak, but supply is inelastic. Whereas demand is elastic. What I mean is, demand people can people can change their mind about buying property overnight, like as happened with Home Builder. Home Builder was announced on a Sunday. On the Monday, stacks of people are out looking at for new homes. But it's not like on the Monday there was one hundred thousand new homes magically built. Like it, it takes first of all you got to find the land, right, and then you got to build the house. So there's a big big lag with uh, supply and look what's happened when we try to increase supply. There is a shortage of building materials of concrete, structural steel and timber. And so you know, generally speaking, new property adds about 2% to the existing stock. So in simple numbers, if you've got a country town with 100 houses, probably next year you'll have 102 houses. Now people might be thinking, well, let's just build more houses. Well, look what's happened when we tried to build more houses. There's a shortage of materials. And so, you know, maybe we need to look at designing properties differently or constructing them differently. Because if we're going to build them brick by brick and it's going to take a year to build, 
you know, we're going to have this rental issue for a while because those those migrants will, well, not only will those migrants continue to come in like they used to, but we've got to make up for lost, lost time. So if we used to take in 300,000 people, we'll probably take in more to make up for that lost time. And we're fortunate in that Australia is a very popular country to migrate to for many reasons. And now they have another one because Australia coped with COVID-19 very, very well. So, look, unfortunately, if you're a tenant, you know, I'd encourage you maybe to secure a long-term lease, you know, more than just a year. Um, And the the other thing you might want to look at, if you can, is save some money to try and buy something. Because I've just talked about the rental situation, but the property price situation, what happens is most people that come in, they are not allowed to buy because you're going to become a permanent residence. For most permanent residents, sorry, most immigrants can buy when they get the permanent residency, which means they've lived here for two years and worked for at least one. So in two years' time, after the after the gates open or the borders open, then we're going to have a lot of people moving from renting to buying. Well, like I said, you can't you can't just magically bring in hundreds of, or tens of thousands of new homes. So, I think for property, it's going to be if you own property, it's going to be a golden era, a bit like a significant portion of the seventies and the eighties and the early noughties, where we had large increases in property prices, whether it was because of increased demand or limited supply. And this time around, going forward. It would be increased demand, in particular from overseas migrants. Coming up after the break, we'll dive into Kalisos' plan to capitalize on the new realities of a post-COVID property market. Some areas will benefit more than others. I actually think Sydney and Melbourne, their rate of growth will slow down, mainly because of uh, people's... Not, I wouldn't say exodus, but certainly considering moving to regional areas or moving to smaller capital cities. Some of his biggest inspirations? No, look, I really admired Noel Whitaker. He was a big fan. I'm a big fan of his. I really admired Margaret Lomas. I still do. I'm writing a book with her when I first started out. You know, she's the queen of property. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Let's be real, deals that can yield 20 to 30% per annum do exist. Don't believe me? Well, here's a story about property development I invested in Victoria. This developer had the project fully funded beforehand, but he and his family suffered a loss, a circumstance that led him to be unable to proceed with the development. So, I stepped in and in two weeks, we funded the shortfall, allowing for the development to continue. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So, do you want to get a better return with low risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. From studying historical property patterns and applying basic supplied side principles, Kalisos says property investors should actually be excited about what the future holds. 
I don't think we'll be going as fast as we are, but I can virtually guarantee you the property will be property prices will be higher in 12 months time than they are today, and they'll be higher again in 24 months time than they are today. And some some areas will benefit more than others. I actually think Sydney and Melbourne, their rate of growth will slow down, mainly because of uh, people's not I wouldn't say exodus, but certainly considering moving to regional areas or moving to smaller capital cities. You know, I, I know personally of, of three people whose job is based in Sydney, but they're living in Adelaide. I just spoke to a journalist just before I spoke to you. Melbourne job, lives in the country town in Adelaide. Now you imagine that, you're on a Melbourne salary and you live in a country town paying peanuts for rent or property. But like any other of life's endeavours, Kalisos believes to make the most of a good situation, investors should arm themselves with knowledge which he continues to do. When I was a young young lad many years ago, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, I read a lot of books written by Noel Whitaker. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's written many, and even now you look at him, he's written books for young kids. He's written books for people that are looking to retire, you know, with super and everything in between. So I'd strongly encourage people to read books by Noel Whitaker. There's some other very credible uh, property authors. I really like um, Margaret Lomas's books on property investment. Um, when it comes to property development, there's a Western Australian architect called Ron Forley. F-O-R-L-E-E is how you spell his surname. He's written three books on Australian residential property development. Or you do a course. You know, unfortunately, nowadays, not many people are interested in courses because of the time, more so. Uh, and I'm not saying you need to go to university to be a successful investor or developer, but even, like I mentioned, adult community education. They might run courses that go for two or three hours it might cost you 50 bucks or 100 bucks. You know, providing, and those sorts of organisations wouldn't have um, pirates running them. They'd be legit people who were there to educate you, I would imagine. Or, um, you know, look at what other courses credible institutes are offering. Because one of the beauties about the course, unlike a book, is assuming the course is being taught by a real person, you can ask them a question. And you can also learn from the other people. Now, the other people may not be in the room. They might be on Zoom, right? But not only do you learn from the person at the front of the room, but you also learn from other people who have similar interests but maybe different experiences to you. So, you know, so far as resources are concerned, you can start very simply with articles and books, go to informal courses, and then you might want to do some more formal courses um, to further your education. In his own life, some of the best little nuggets of wisdom have come from the most unexpected of places. Yet, they may have been wasted if he didn't get out into the real world and just had a go. So, like I said at, at the beginning, I reckon it was through a process of osmosis sitting at the dinner table with Dad talking about property every day that I learned. So I don't think he deliberately wanted to mentor me or teach me, but it was just being engaged in the discussion that helped me learn more and also importantly, getting out and doing it. And so talking about resources is one thing to, you know, read and do courses, 
But in the end, you need to get invested. If you don't buy something, you're not going to make any money. Some people unfortunately suffer from analysis paralysis. They do so much analysis, spend so much time working out what's the perfect property, and by the way, the perfect property does not exist, that they miss the train. And so they end up never buying anything. Kalisos says his own father left him with some advice all investors can utilize. Like he would always say, look, if you buy a property and the, and the property pays all your expenses, that's a good property. Well, today you can do that and 30 years ago you could. But when we had double-digit interest rates and most people were negatively geared, you couldn't do that. But I, I mean, I understood what he said. It was, it was really more about affordability. So that is, you know, buy something that you can afford. I mean, back then, all right, it didn't cost you any money. Now it might cost you $50 a week or 100 bucks a week. Um, but that was, that was certainly a, a valuable lesson. Um, and also mar- uh, marketing, as in when you're going to, if you're going to renovate, you want to fix up things that people will appreciate and pay money for. So I, I, I found or he found painting was best bang for your buck. You know, you spend $3,000 on painting, you get much more than $3,000 back. But you spend $3,000 on putting a rainwater tank in, nobody cares. Or you put in, you know, spend $3,000 and put something in that nobody can see. See, they need to be able to see it. So you might might be extra insulation in the walls or in the ceiling. Nobody can see that, not going to pay extra. But you spend $3,000 on an air conditioner, people will see that. I'll pay extra for that. We asked Kalisos to give us a piece of his own advice. Luck. Isn't luck the crossroad between opportunity and preparation? Uh, Some people might think, you know, that I'm lucky or other successful people are lucky, but there's a lot of work that's gone into it. You know, for most of my working life, I was doing something else other than work, whether it was, you know, working part-time at school, uh, sorry, working full-time at school, and studying, or whether it was working full time somewhere and part time teaching somewhere else part time, or whether it was you know working and doing developments or working and renovating. So, no, it it might look lucky. You know, you might look at successful people, whether it's in property or whether it's in business, and you think, oh, geez, they're lucky. Well, for most people. Unless, you know, some rich parent gave a million dollars or rich grandparent gave a million dollars. For most people, it's hard work that they may not moan or whinge about, uh, but it's hard work that they've done in the past that bears fruit later on. Remember I said earlier, investment is about sacrifice now for a benefit in the future. So sacrifice some time, whether it's learning about property, working extra, because if you work extra, then your serviceability increases, then you can, you know, buy more. Um, but you won't reap the benefits until the property market goes up, in particular in a property boom like we're experiencing now. Despite experiencing incredible success with his substantial portfolio, Kalisos isn't planning on slowing down anytime soon. He thinks he's been gifted with a perfect opportunity to share his genuine passion for property. Well, you know, teaching at one of Australia's best universities in an area that I'm really passionate about, you know, for me, it doesn't get any better than this. 
you know, this is as good as it gets. So I just want to do more of this for as long as I can. I'm not, and I'm not hanging out to retire. Uh, I mean, if retirement comes, you know, I'm, sh I'm sure I live very comfortably. But, you know, so long as people are happy to pay me to teach property, mate, I'm happy to continue to do it. He's had some of his own helpful resources spanning topics from residential development to large-scale commercial properties. Here's how to access them. So the third book which is coming, I'm writing it together with Margaret Lomas is on small-scale residential property development. Uh, so that, that could be another good resource for people. I've written a series of articles. If people Google my name and Property Development 101, they will, um, they can, they can see a series of 10 articles I've written basically it's on the steps of property development. Uh, if they Google my name, Property Development 101 videos, they'll see a series of videos which is all about the development of those places I built on the Esplanade of Port Nalanga South, which I talked about earlier, um, and talking to the people involved like the mortgage broker, the accountant, the builder, the town planner, and so on. If you want to reach out and learn more from Kalisos about his strategy and enroll in his new course, here's how. So people can email me at peter.kalizos at adelaide.edu.au. Actually, the new course that I'm writing, which is called Introduction to Property and Valuation, I'm also making a non-award course, which means you don't have to enroll in the Masters. You don't have to have had an undergraduate degree. Anyone can enroll. You don't have to do the assessments if you don't want. You know? And we start off easy, but then we move into some more difficult concepts. And you may not stay for the full 12 or 13 weeks. But one of the important bits of the course for me, again, it's keeping it real, is we do a field trip. So we go around, you know, and, and I, I'll explain why this makes a good investment, this does not make a good investment. This makes a good development, this does not make a good development. So you can talk about it all you like in class, but it, it's not when you're actually physically there that it really soaks in. Now, I know that might be hard for people that don't live in Adelaide, but you, you can do the course remotely. And then you just might come for that one weekend because the field trip is on a Saturday and do the field trip. But um, that should be on the Adelaide University website early in the new year. Intro, introduction to property and evaluation. Um, yeah, for, that's for anyone, for the non-award component. Thank you to Peter Kalisos, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now. And I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. 
Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 